When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. District of Conservation is sponsored by Real Camo Girl, a lifestyle brand for women who love the great outdoors, spanning from hunting, fishing, foraging, archery, shooting sports, and the like. We are proud to have them as a sponsor, and you can learn more about them at www.realcamogirl.com and follow them all across social media to learn more and get involved. Welcome to episode 32 of District of Conservation. I hope everyone enjoyed last week's interview with Bruce Tag and Brian Lynn from Sportsman's Alliance. That was sure to be very thought-provoking, so I hope you guys enjoyed that and got a lot from that. Yesterday was Earth Day, which comes as no surprise that we should be thanking the anglers and hunters who contribute well over 60% of conservation funding through their excise taxes, licenses, firearms, and other purchases that go back to fund habitat restoration and wildlife conservation efforts in this country. So thank a hunter and an angler, especially for the gem outdoor gems that we enjoy so dearly. I'm going to discuss a lot of things today, uh, namely my new video series and a few news items relating to conservation. Here we go. You must be thinking, how on earth does this chick who's a conservative who loves fishing and hunting feel that she has to give credence to earth day well earth day began under very auspicious circumstances it was actually launched by a guy who composted and murdered his girlfriend it has a lot of radical origins and it's not something people like me typically celebrate but that doesn't mean you can't celebrate it in spite of its radical nature or the way that it has kind of formed and shaped over the years. I think given the fact that hunters and anglers, like I've talked about, have contributed positively to the environment, I think there's a way that we could retake Earth Day and other environmental related holidays and actually bring back some balance to that discussion. And it was no coincidence that I launched my new video series, Conservation Nation, on Earth Day. I thought it was going to be released next week, but my collaborators at the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow told me, we want to post it today. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. Yesterday, that that is. And I had no objections to that. So we put it out there, and it's the first of many episodes that will be coming I featured Buck Robinson from Outdoor Access, which is one of my favorite outdoor company startups in existence, not only because they're here in Virginia, but I love the concept. I also happen to be a member, and I think they're doing an excellent job navigating the challenging waters that we find here on the East Coast when it comes to public land or hunting fishing land access. Much of the East Coast, and especially Virginia, is confined to private land, and we're all about property rights. And I think you shouldn't disrespect people's lands and you're not entitled to hunt on people's lands. And this company does an excellent job of working with landowners to allow people access if they pay a membership fee. And then on top of that, a usage fee. But I figured that was a great way to start the episode. And my goal is to highlight the unsung heroes 
and other innovators in conservation, whether they work in wildlife conservation, the energy industry, the fishing industry, boating, any type of industry. There's so many interconnected industries that are affected and want to work to promote conservation in this country. I believe that free enterprise is actually a benefit, not a detriment to conservation, unlike some environmentalists out there. I think we have to go back to that thinking that businesses are not a detriment and businesses can offer a lot. We also have have a goal in mind with the series to highlight individuals rather than government per se that are actually making an environmental impact that is unseen and unprecedented and we're not anarchist in, in the goal of this series. My goal is to be as limited government and as free market as possible with this series. That's how my philosophy is trained, but we're not wholly opposed to any governmental help. I think the state wildlife agencies do an excellent job with promoting conservation. I also think the leadership of this current department of interior is on our side and they have our interests in mind. So I think working with the government to promote conservation is good too. And we have the opportunities to do that. We'll try to get some DOI officials and maybe some fish and wildlife people on the series as well. We're going to highlight a multitude of people in the private sector, perhaps some in government who are trying to promote true conservation efforts. So there's no regular schedule as to when these episodes will be released, but as they come out, you will know, you just have to ensure that you subscribe to CFAC's YouTube channel to never miss an episode. And when those come out, you can find them there, share them, spread the good word. But I will do my best to alert you all as to when further episodes are coming. I have a second one that I'm almost done with and we'll be filming some more throughout the summer. It's going to be more sporadic. Uh, but once we gain momentum, have enough interest, we're going to take it more on the road and across the country and interview as many people as possible. And if you want to support the series, there's going to be opportunities down the road financially, uh, morally, however you want to support, there will be some opportunities just because we're going to be heavily expanding if all goes to plan. So that's the details on conservation nation. I hope you check out the video. I'll include it in the show notes for y'all to check out, but it's something I'm really proud to work on and I'm going to do my best to highlight similar people and similar efforts like that. For you Virginia deer hunters or hunting enthusiasts, this is going to be very prescient and important for you to listen to because this just broke over Easter weekend. And it's not really a cause for alarm, but it's something you should be aware of. If you are going deer hunting this fall or you're partaking in archery, which I believe archery is done now, unless you have a special permit to help the game and inland fisheries cull deer populations. Uh, deer season should be mostly done by now. Uh, but for the fall, this is something you should be heeding. Uh, another case of chronic wasting disease, which is everyone describing zombie-like conditions of deer, which is patently false, but it is a serious condition. Uh, chronic wasting disease, another case, has been found here in Virginia. According to the Game and Inland Fisheries, since 2009, 68 deer have tested positive for chronic wasting disease here in Virginia. Back in January, the CDC, which is the Centers for Disease Control, detected that 26 states and three Canadian provinces now have bouts of chronic wasting disease. And this brings up the case here in Virginia. And this was deer uh, was harvested back in the fall. But until it went through further examination by a taxidermist, uh, it wasn't found visibly in the deer. But 
shortly after it being harvested, it was revealed that this deer contained CWD. Although it, it, it's been compared to mad cow disease, Yakov Kratsov's disease, and other things, there is still no proof that it has been transferred or is transferable to humans. But it's something deer hunters should be aware of. They should test every deer that they harvest just to be on the safe side. But this is noteworthy because this is the first deer outside of Shenandoah Valley, or let's say this close to the Washington, D.C. metro area that has been identified. So that's cause for concern, of course, but it's nothing to be super alarmed over. But it's just something you should put in the back of your mind if you are going to be pursuing deer going forward. This is a real threat to the cervid population. Chronic wasting disease, as you know, affects deer, elk, and moose, and other cervid populations. And what it is, for those of you who are unaware of it, I'm going to explain a little bit about the physiological symptoms that you should be on the lookout for if you encounter deer or happen to go hunting, you're unsure what the physical symptoms of CWD look like, here's something you could take away from this podcast. So it's a highly contagious neurological disease, like I said, that affects deer, elk, and moose. Uh, It causes a spongy brain degeneration in infective animals. And obviously this past report from the CDC has kind of renewed interest in this, but it has been prominently discovered back out West and in the Midwest They say that uh, captive deer or farm-raised deer tend to have more of it than those that are free-ranging deer. That's what uh, experts have revealed. So you find this more so in privately raised deer rather than free-ranging deer. And in elk, it's not so common as much, but it does happen in that too. And CWD is provoked by an agent called a prion, which is an abnormal form of cellular protein that is most commonly found in the central nervous system and in lymph node tissue. It impacts deer with CWD by converting normal cellular protein to an abnormal form. And what are physical symptoms of CWD in cervids like the deer? They typically include emaciation, so it's noticeable skinniness in a deer, odd behavior, severe impairment of bodily functions, and within succumbing to the illness, the deer will likely die. There's no cure for it. It's irreversible. And the symptoms can take up to a year to be noticeable and develop. And sadly, like I said, it's irreversible, irrevocable. You should go to sources like cwd-info.org to see all the recommendations for hunters, for those concerned with chronic wasting disease, uh, just to know what you should be aware of. A final item I wanted to discuss on this episode of District of Conservation was the interesting news about various different stakeholders in sport fishing and boating. Some people that I admire and reference in much of my work and have worked with in some capacity, whether we've gone to different conferences that are similar or we have a lot of mutual contacts in the outdoor industry is the fact that a lot of interesting people were appointed to the sport fishing and boating partnership council, which was uh, created by the, Department of Interior. There's a similar council for hunting and uh, shooting sports, which is called the Council for the Hunting and Shooting Sports Council that is appointed and administered by the Department of Interior. What this council does is advise the Secretary of Interior through the Director of Fish and Wildlife Service on aquatic conservation endeavors that benefit recreational fishery resources and recreational partnerships among industry, public sector, and the government. And 
when you see who's on this list, you have representatives from the Center for Sport Fishing Policy, Coastal Conservation Association, Costa Sunglasses, which is an awesome company. I just lost my pair. So I'm hoping I can purchase some soon. A friend gifted me the pair that I lost. So I feel foolish, but I want to patron them. They're a good company too. Boat US Foundation is on board. Bass Conservation is on board. The Congressional Sportsman Foundation has a rep. The American Sport Fishing Association has a representative and the National Marine Manufacturers Association also has a board member on it. So they will decide a lot of the policy and shape, help shape the policy that helps bolster recreational fishing. As you guys know, billions of dollars each year are pumped back into the economy through recreational angling. With the Modern Fish Act's passage last year and signage into law, this is provided that recreational fishing can be managed separately from that of commercial fishing. There are different strata, different extent to which it should be managed. A lot of the data extrapolation processes were very archaic. It was very outdated. And this new law, however imperfect, but it does do a good job to bring recreational fishing management into the 21st century, does a better job of not hindering access and puts more science-based conservation practices into place for recreational fishing. So this is going to be interesting to see what comes about the reshaping of this council for sport fishing and boating. I sincerely hope you enjoyed some updates I had for you guys, some public policy discussions, and some interesting happenings occurring here in the Washington, D.C. area and surrounding areas. I'm going to do my best to bring on more policymakers, advocates, and storytellers from in and around the region and those who visit and frequent. We're not just limited to having people who live in Virginia, Washington, D.C., or Maryland. I also bring on people from the outside, too, who work in the district or who whose business is affected by what happens here in D.C. So if you have any suggestions on people I should bring on, let me know. And we will do our best to secure their spot here on the podcast. But I wanted to keep you up to speed about my new series, uh, Chronic Wasting Disease being found in another deer here, and this update on the Sport Fishing and Boating Council. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. That is the largest channel we have out there, and every download counts. The more downloads we have on Apple Podcasts, the better we can reach greater ranks and higher ranks on the outdoor podcast stream on apple Podcasts, you can also listen to us on anchor.fm which is our primary hub from which you can find where we are dispersed we also have spotify and plenty of other sources out there where you can listen you can listen on overcast you can listen on a multitude of different types of platforms we're also on facebook instagram and twitter so you will never have to wonder who will be coming on or what we're up to we tried to update it regularly i manage all the accounts so it's me uh, so I, I do my best to update with guests interesting happenings and recycle some things that happen from my personal feed just for y'all to to be kept to speed it's a little easier sometimes just to repost things but i do my best to have organic content there as well please be sure to leave some reviews subscribe Again, every download helps and would help us go a long way into reaching more people with this important message and different type of venue compared to other conservation-related podcasts out there. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you check out District of Conservation going forward.